Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football bowl cards. And this is the penultimate week of our podcast for the 2019 football season. It's with the tear and I, our eye, I should say, that next week will be our final podcast for this football season. And with it, we'll preview a couple of bowl games next week along with our NFL take as we head down to the stretch toward the playoffs. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host, Victor King, in from King Creole Sports. And Victor, first of all, I have to say congratulations. Another great job last week in the totals tip sheet. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. I like the fact that you snuck in our favorite word here, penultimate, the <laughs> second last week of the season. I like it a lot. Thank you for the accolades. Uh, totals tip sheet 4-0 and last week. We're now 37-23 uh, and 23 on the season Two more weeks to go. You know how these things go. When you're doing well in a season, you don't want that season to end, right? When you're doing not so well, you kind of want the uh, season to conclude as soon as possible. But uh, you, we're definitely in that newsletter nirvana period when it comes to the playbook offices. We got the playbook football newsletter, totals tip sheet, midweek alert newsletter, and, of course, hot off the presses it just came in on Monday night, the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report required reading, and uh, I urge all listeners to get to playbook.com and download themselves a copy of it. Yeah, Victor, I think a person would do themselves well if they're serious about following the bowl games this year. Our college football bowl stat report is really uh, quite a publication. It's just loaded with stats and facts and information, uh, bowl histories, conference histories, team histories, coaches' records, everything you want to know, bowler versus bowler, all inside the College Bowl stat report. Put your hands on that by logging on to the website at playbook.com, where you can also download copies of the Red Hot Totals tip sheet, and as Victor mentioned, our weekly newsletter and our midweek alert football newsletter. With that being said, and that commercial out of the way, uh, let's turn it over to what is going on in the world of what will be college football with the bowl game starting this weekend, Victor. And uh, uh, what it is that I learned as we head into this particular weekend is after reviewing and putting together uh, the college football bowl stat report with a lot of great help from everybody here at Playbook. The staff just did a terrific job uh, chipping in, putting all this valuable information together here. And as I finally was able to take a step away and read what it is that we produced, because sometimes you get so deeply involved in putting the numbers and everything together that you're not absorbing them. But as I had a chance to absorb them, some of the things that I noticed out of the bowl report as we hit into the bowl games is that uh, amongst other things, uh, we had this year four teams in college football that were perfect in the stats. They outyarded everybody they played last year. Last year, we only had one team that did just that, and it was North Texas, surprisingly. This year, we have four perfect teams in the stats this year, and they just all happen to be the four teams that will be playing in the college football playoff this year. Wow. Cle- yes. Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma all went a perfect 13-0 and in the stats 
against their opponents this year, which also leads credence to that, that what everybody is likely to say and might agree upon, that this is indeed the best-looking college football bowl playoff we have seen since the inception of the bowl playoff itself. One other interesting note, Victor, inside of the college bowl stat report that I look for is I like to, like to look for uh, aberrations, if you will, things that are a little bit unusual. And uh, the, one of the things I like to do is to pour over how teams fare against other bowl teams this year. What do you do against your own ilk? Uh, what do you do when you go up against other bowl teams and as you head into the bowl season? Uh, I noticed that there are two teams that are bowlers this year that were winless against other bowl teams this year. Those two happen to be Indiana, the Hoosiers, were 0-4 in the head-to-head games against other bowl teams. And Washington State, uh, who had a really down year. People, don't, I don't think they realize how down the year was for the Cougars this year, but they were 0-5 in head-to-head games against other bowl teams. And in fact, 0-5 in the stats as well, out-yarded 68 yards of contest in those football games. Uh, other bad teams that were had rough goes against other bowl teams this year would have included North Carolina at 1-6, Southern Mississippi at 1-5, Texas A&M, surprisingly, the Aggies were beat up this year against other bowl teams, losing five of their six matchups. You had Tulane losing six of their seven games in Alabama-Birmingham, dropping four of five. And one other quick note, Victor, before I hand it over to you. Again, looking inside the stats of teams against other bowl teams, what can you expect from the outcome to be on the playing field in total, in total yardage amongst these bowl teams? Well, at the top of the list, the worst team this year in head-to-head games against other bowl teams was head and shoulders bar none. Nevada, who was out yarded 211 yards in their bowl games against, or in their games against other bowl teams. And they were followed by Kent State, minus 198 yards. Illinois, the uh, fighting Illini, they were beat up 128 yards a game, as was Miami of Ohio, the same 128 yards a game, followed closely by Georgia Southern at 121 yards, and Kansas State who is minus 106 yards, and they're in the stats numbers this year against other bowl teams. It's information like this that you'll find inside that college bowl stat report, and that's what I learned as I perused through it. Victor, Victor, what was your take on what you've learned as far as we head into these college football bowl games starting this weekend? What I learned last week in college football, actually two things of significance. And number one, it doesn't matter how long uh, I, I am either a betting uh, football games or handicapping football games. We're going on 30 years now. Every Saturday morning of the Army-Navy game, I wake up with the shakes, the sweats, whatever <laughs> you want to call them, knowing that there's only one college football game to watch today. You know, you've been working hard for, what, three and a half months, and it it, it never fails. You wake up on that Saturday morning, I, I'm missing out on something. I got the sweats. There's only one game to wager on to watch today. So it, it, it never fails to happen. The other thing that I learned is that it, it, uh, it's always surprising some of the unique, weird names that the bowls, the sponsors, the cities come up with. I mean, easily my top two weirdest bowl names of all time would probably be the uh, Poland Weed Eater Independence Bowl, which, of course, ran from 91 to 97 in Shreveport, Mississippi. And it's such a weird name that here we are 20 years later, people are still talking about it and still mocking it, the Poland Weed Eater Independence Bowl. For me, these days, the most recent weirdest bowl name has still got to be this 
Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl <laughs> from 2017 on that's played in Tampa, St. Pete area. And uh, easily the St. Pete Bowl is probably the god of incredible names if the entire top five of this list was nothing but St. Pete Bowl names. No one would complain. I still don't know what a Gasparilla is. You can even look it up, and they don't even uh, Wikipedia doesn't even know what a Gasparilla is either. But there you go, <laughs> weird bowl name. But lo and behold, we got a new one that's come out this season, and it's my nomination for weirdest, funkiest bowl name. You know, the new sponsor of the Sun Bowl is Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. So here we go. It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Now, Mark. How many bowl names do you know that are named after fictional characters from breakfast cereals? What's Victor, next, I gotta, Lucky Charms Victor, bowl? I, I, I got, Victor, I got to say this while you're on the Tony the Tiger tale here. Last night, I'm a big <laughs> Stephen, Co- Stephen Colbert fan, okay? I watch him religiously every night. And uh, what he did last night is a segment a, a segment live with Tony the Tiger as his guest. And they had him <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the chair next to him. And he was uh, announcing go. the fact announcing the fact that there will be a Tony the Tiger bowl game this year. So it ties perfectly into just what you're saying. There you go. Uh, all I can say is what's next, the, the Cuckoo Cocoa Puffs Bowl or a Lucky Charms <laughs> Bowl or Fruit Loops Bowl? <laughs> But uh, there you have it, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Well, Victor, you all, what you mentioned at the, st- at the top uh, was watching the Army-Navy game. And when you turned yeah. the TV on and you said you started getting the chills and the sweats, I was thinking you were going to go down the road of it being such a ceremonial game and uh, prestigious and uh, how you get goosebumps <laughs> watching it and all that. Right. <laughs> but you were talking nah. more about college football <laughs> Uh, withdrawal <laughs> is right. what you're talking about. And, you know, it's strange because as we talked about earlier on in the show, you know, we do live in a world of addiction these days. We're seeing it with Josh Gordon going on in the National Football League. And uh, I can only say that I really, really desperately hope he can get himself some help and get his life in order because uh, he needs to do just that. Forget uh, the troubles he's had off the field as far as a football player goes. We want to see him get healthy uh, in, in beat the addiction that he has and that addiction you mentioned about the college football bowl or the college football season being over I can totally relate to that because as you mentioned we get ready for this football season here when we put the playbook magazine together the college football preview magazine guide and that starts for us right after the Super Bowl and you know carries all the way through the college bowl game so it means that we are uh, deep into the red zone as far as it goes in the world of college football. And uh, it is, again, with a, a little bit of a tear in the eye that we talk about the fact that the college bowl season is just right around the corner. We love handicapping it. We love watching it and talking about it. But it also signifies, much like the Army-Navy game did to you, that the college football season is just around the corner. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's switch over to the National Football League side of things and uh, talk a little bit about what we learned in the National Football League as we're heading down into the final two games of the season. And one of the things I learned last week, Victor, was watching Drew Brees uh, in a magnificent performance playing Monday Night Football, completing 29 of 30 passes, four touchdown passes, zero picks. And somehow you explained to me, Victor, how he didn't get a perfect passer rating for that football game, 158.3, by their formula. I can't figure it out. Me neither. You're right. You know, if if, if he would have gone a perfect 30 for 30, I guess maybe that would have been it. And what would have been ironic is there would have maybe been an ESPN 30 for 30 segment called Drew Brees 30 for 30. 
it didn't happen, but a tip of the hat to him on a great career, and it was really nice to see that and how he performed under those Monday night lights. Now what he's going to have to do is hope that uh, they can get his team back up because I don't think they'll be at that level this particular week that they were Monday night. That was one of the things I learned <clears throat> Excuse me, in the National Football League last week. What about you, Victor? What was your take on what you saw in the NFL? Well, I love this log jam at the top of the NFC standings. It makes these last two weeks even more important for teams who want to get that first round by, who want to take the week off in the first week of the playoffs. We now have, what, the four teams tied for a top record in the NFC Conference, Green Bay 11-3, New Orleans 11-3, of course, San Francisco and Seattle tied for first NFC West Conference 11-3 each. It makes these, again, like I say, these last two games very, very important. And uh, it creates a lot of great debate who is the best team in the NFC Conference as well. It does. It's really nice to see just exactly that happening and what's going on. I think we've got in the makings of one of the best NFL football playoffs, just like the college bowl playoff. I think the NFL yeah. playoffs are looking awfully attractive here right now. Uh, and in fact, uh, a couple of notes from a couple of our steadfast listeners, uh, devout playbook uh, devotees, if you will. One, our good friend, Jeff Kabasiak from up in Canada, he sent us an email, wanted to know about there being, since the first time since 1990, this is more teams have clinched a playoff spot at this stage of the football season than ever before. And also, in the same vein, the Texas Tornado, our good buddy Steve Crabb from Dallas, Texas, also sends us an email and makes note that NFL teams in must-win situations to make the playoffs cover the spread or fail to cover the spread 64% of the time. That was reported by ESPN, the Daily Wager, that the teams that are in must-win situations lose to the spread 64% of the time. So we've got a lot of that working this particular weekend. I don't know what my answer to Jeff will be about uh, how many teams have clinched so far. We'll do some research into that in our next and final show of the football season here. But in regard to what Steve mentioned here about must-win situations, teams failing, uh, my reply back to him is it happens uh, basically for two reasons. Number one, those lines are very often overcompensated by the odds makers in Las Vegas. They know those teams are in must-win situations. They know, the public knows, and they know which way they're going to be betting those football games. So you are being stripped out of all the value in those football games. And number two, there's the pressure that's squarely on those football players in that team, knowing just that when they take the field, that they're in a situation that maybe is a little bit unnerving, a little bit tight around the collar type situation. So keep an eye on that when it comes to watching the National Football League down the stretch for the final two weeks of the football season here. And speaking of which, Victor, before I hand it back over to you, uh, as we go into the NFL uh, second penultimate week, I keep using that word penultimate. I must have read it and really liked it, I guess. I don't know. But uh, coming into the uh, second to last week of the NFL season here, these would be the rankings of the teams in the playoffs heading into this weekend. The number one seeds would be Baltimore and Seattle. Number two seeds, New England and Green Bay. Number three, Kansas City and New Orleans followed by number four seeds being Houston and Dallas, two Texas teams, number five, Buffalo and San Francisco, and the number six and final slots in the wild card seedings would be Pittsburgh and Minnesota. The other playoff eligible teams would be number seven seeds, Tennessee and the Rams, number eight seeds, Cleveland and Philadelphia, and number nine, the Oakland Raiders. So keep those stats in mind here. My only observation on that, Victor, is I see a number one seed in Seattle who I think might be, if they're not the uh, 
turning in to be a very phony team. The team right behind the Green Bay Packers certainly is because these two teams do not get the job done defensively or in the yards. And I think they're very suspect when the NFL playoffs roll around. They could be number one or number two seeds, and they could be one of the two teams that lose out in the first round. That's my take on what I saw in the National Football League from last week's results. Victor, how about you before we wrap up this segment? You can, you know, you can see it in the current Vegas odds. We mentioned a four-way tie for first place in the NFC, but the two favorites are actually New Orleans and San Francisco. Green Bay, despite their eleven and three record, is still a seven to one underdog to win the NFC and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So uh, Seattle's four to one. The two favorites again are New Orleans and San Francisco. So you can see it in the current Vegas odds. Let me uh, give me a minute or two to whip through the numbers here in terms of uh, scoring. Last week had seven games in the NFL that totaled 54 or more points from a points per game perspective. It was the third highest scoring week of the season. And of course, that was off uh, off the heels of a week 14 that averaged almost 51 points per game. So the last two weeks in the NFL... We've seen two of the three highest scoring weeks of the season. Last two weeks now, 49.7 combined points. Last week, 10 overs, six unders. We're getting close to that 50-50 mark. On the year, 110 overs in the NFL, 113 unders, one tie. Again, we're right at that uh, basically 50-50 mark, which is not surprising. Uh, we'll run through the dogs here real quick. Not the best week for dogs. Six, nine, and one against the spread uh, last week. Road dogs still hitting at a very good 78, 56, and four on the year. That's NFL road underdogs. And what really elevates these dogs are they've gone 33 and 16. That's 67% when taking on any opponent off a loss. And then my best tightener within then is. Uh, I've got an 18-4 and 2 ATS this year in the NFL. Road Dogs taking on any 500 or less non-division opponent off a straight-up loss. Again, that's a really strong 18-4 and ATS situation. And there are three teams that qualify in that situation this week, those three teams being Detroit Lions plus the points against Denver, Carolina plus the points against Indianapolis, Cincinnati plus the small number against Miami as they are all three road dogs taking on a 500 or less non-division opponent off a loss, a solid 18 and four ATS this season. There you have it. It's uh, our pertinent numbers from last week. Those are the number recaps from Victor King at King Creole Sports as we head into this National Football League weekend. Uh, just a quick note here, guys, that in this week's playbook football newsletter, as I wrote up the NFL football games this weekend, I prefaced every write-up uh, basically by overviewing each team's playoff scenario, what they need to do and what revolves around each and every team. We're going to talk about one of those games, our NFL Game of the Week, when we get to that segment, about the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. We'll hit on that a little bit more uh, when we do get to that segment, that portion of the segment. Let's turn over, Victor, now before we close out the segment with our rant of the week. Jeff, if you would do the honors. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. i got to say this at the top of the show here, guys, that uh, I have a pretty good relationship with a guy that's really, really famous in the world of bad beats. 
as we all know, you watch Scott Van Pelt on ESPN, and he's made that segment just a very, very popular segment about bad beats in the National Football League. And uh, I also have a dear friend that uh, is also uh, in the Wise Guys contest, and uh, he used his triple play last week on a team that took perhaps one of the worst bad beats that come down the road in the NFL in a long, long time. And that was the Washington Redskins in their mm-hmm. giveaway win to the Philadelphia Eagles last week. And I think giveaway is the key word in that contest. Well, watching Dwayne Haskins at the end of the football game just literally pitch the ball out, one bounce up into the Philadelphia Eagles defender's hand, and a scoop and score for 49 yards to reverse the final score of the football game and turn what would have been a Washington spread loss or a Washington spread win into a Philadelphia spread win. It's kind of... Uh, I guess maybe I'm talking about ranting here from a from the perspective of being a sports gambler, a wagerer, and a handicapper. But to see plays like that in the games end in their final play in a situation like that, to me, I just wanted to turn the TV off. And obviously, uh, we're on the other side of that particular football game. And to watch it go out the window just like that was a little bit disgusting. In fact, very largely disgusting. And I only hope that somewhere along the way that something is learned from this. Dwayne Haskins won't be reprimanded or scolded about what it was that he did because it would purely be from a betting standpoint in the National Football League. The teams, the coaches don't want to get into that side of the equation. But for the millions and millions of fans that watched the game and the millions that had wagers on that particular game, it was an absolute throw-up. And uh, again, to my good friend Scott Van Pelt, I know that feature was a top feature on the bad beat segment and i only hope that we don't talk about another game as worse than that as far as the bad beats portion of the national football league season goes this year that's my rant on what i saw or what happened last week in the national football league victor your take on what it is you'd like to rant about on the show today you know there were actually two games last weekend that either the ats result or the ou result came down to a funky last play of the game involving fumbles or laterals. The same thing happened in the Atlanta-San Francisco game when San Francisco was running back a kickoff, lateraling the ball around, turned it over. Atlanta recovers the ball in the end zone. Game goes from under to over. That's also a bad beat. That's probably also another game that caused a lot of folks to do a little regurgitation in their mouths as well. <laughs> but, Mark, here's here's my rant, and here's what pisses me off. Boneheaded quarterback moves that cost me money in games that we deserve to win. Uh, and I'm talking from a personal standpoint as well. We're talking about our 10-star NFL game of the year. First off, I want to preface that by saying good job to you. Your five-star NFL game of the month was an outright winner on the Houston Texans plus the points against Tennessee. But we were on the over in that game, uh, and we had the numbers from the database uh, we had the write-up, we had the analysis, and we got jobbed because, again, the analysis for that game was dead on. After all, both teams in that game combined for over 800 yards of total offense. Here's the part that pissed me off the most was the fact that Tannehill and Watson combined for not one, not two, but three freaking interceptions in the damn red zone. Two of those interceptions weren't even in the red zone. They were in the end zone. Uh, twice, twice, both teams had first downs inside the five-yard line and threw an interception in the end zone. So we had three. I can handle one miscue like that. I can handle two. But three is where I start banging my head. 
and swearing at NFL quarterbacks. So <laughs> that's the reason that we lost that game. Statistically, we were there. There was over 800 yards of offense. According to each team's red zone statistics, we should have had 56 or more points in that particular game. We didn't. We had only 45 points. So that, that's what I'm bitter about, and that's what my rant is about, is about boneheaded quarterback moves that cost me hard-earned money. I can relate 100% to what it is you're saying, Victor. And once again, we can only hope that the next boneheaded play is a play that we don't happen to personally have an investment in that particular football game. But we had to get those off our chests this week, those two particular football games. And that's what our rant portion of the segment is all about. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to open it up with our college football game of the week. We're going to hop out to Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Bowl as we tear apart the Boise State-Washington football game when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college game of the week. We're going to preview a bowl game, the Las Vegas Bowl, taking place this year, and quite a good matchup. We've got a matchup of two really good football teams. When Boise State takes on Washington in Sin City, Victor, how do you see the Broncos and the Huskies faring this weekend? Boy, there's a lot of great drama and game script for this game. Uh, Ex-coaches, it's going to be the last game ever at Sam Boyd Stadium. As I understand it, they're going to be moving to the new Oakland Raiders Stadium for the Las Vegas Bowl in subsequent years. Uh, We've got Washington favored by a field goal, maybe three and a half out there. The over-under line has been rock solid. That's uh, kind of tough to see. Open to 50. It's still at 50 as we, we record the podcast here on uh, Wednesday mornings. And, boy, I can't say enough about what the Boise State team has done this season. A 12-1 and team that, if you ask me, Mark, needs to be given far more respect for an amazing season than they have gotten. I don't think it shouldn't have been such a given that the top AAC conference champion, in this case Memphis, was better than Boise State. And, again, this uh, Boise State team is absolutely good enough to pull off this win and win their 13th game of the season. So again, uh, between Boise State at 12 and one and Appalachian State at 12 and one and Memphis at 12 and one, one could easily make a case that Boise State is the best uh, team out of the group of five conferences. On the year, we're middle of the road over under teams. Boise at six and seven over under average points per game, 57.4. That's combined offense and the defense. Washington, 6-6 six and six over under. 51.9 is the average for Washington games uh, this season. On the road, Boise, 4-2. and two. 
their average spikes all the way up to 67.2 when they're on the road. With that said, though, Washington's road game slightly lower scoring than their year-to-date numbers. Uh, two and three over under on the road, 47.6. In terms of how each team finished the season, Boise one and four over under last five games. Uh, Washington finished with three straight unders to conclude the regular season as well. This is one of only seven bowl games with an over-under line of 50 or less points. Obviously, it is expected to be one of the lower-scoring bowl games. I'm not surprised by that. We do have the, what, number 23, number four scoring defenses, both teams allowing less than 21 points per game on the season. Uh, With that said, the Las Vegas Bowl, that's my first area of query in the database And uh, there's been really no over-under pattern. The OU results have basically been back and forth with the last five games going under-over, under-over, under. If we're going to be flipping back and forth, that would indicate an over this season. The last 10 Las Vegas Bulls have averaged 57.1 points per game. That's a touchdown more than this week's line. Uh, Mountain West and Pac-12 bowl over-under trends. Here we go. Now, last season, Mountain West teams won a perfect 0-5 over-under in their five bowl games. With that said, however, when Mountain West teams play Pac-12 teams, the bowl games are on a 10-4 run. That's 10 overs, four unders when these two conferences clash against each other in the bowls. And not only that, but in their last 19 Pac-12 versus non-Power 5 conference games. Those have gone 15-4 and over-under. From a side play, we're going to let you handle that, although we did mention last week it's been a rough three-year run for Pac-12 teams in the bowl games going 2-21 and ATS. For me, based on the point spread and the over-under line, the anticipated final score is Washington somewhere around 26.5, Boise 23 Washington has scored 29.6 points per game in their last eight bowl games. Boise even better at 34.6. Boise's gone five and two to the over in their last seven bowl games. I think the line is on the low side by about three or four points. That gives us a little bit of value. And in this last game ever for a Chris Peterson coach for the Washington team and at Sam Boyd Stadium, We think there's a little bit of value on the over. That's the way we're leading right now, Mark, with Boise State and Washington in the Las Vegas Bowl. Slight opinion on the over. Victor's going to lean slightly to the over in the Boise State-Washington-Vegas Bowl game, what I think is one of the better uh, minor bowl games, if you will. I'm sure there's going to be a pretty good audience watching this football game. As he mentions, Victor does. Chris Peterson uh, announcing his retirement, surprisingly, from the Washington Huskies as he's choosing to get back to his family and his life rather than being uh, just devoured by the world of being a college football coach and all the demands that it takes. So he will be coaching the Washington Huskies, at least, for his final game in this bowl game. Ironically, he was the head coach at Boise State, where he led them to a 92-12 and record against Boise State. So there'll be a lot of intrigue involved in this football game between the two teams and the head coach. This marks the 18th consecutive year in a row that Boise State will be bowling. That's really a sign of consistency. And once again, as Victor says, they are head and shoulders, one of the very best of the 
group of five uh, teams that we have in all of the world of college football. Boise State this year went 7-1 and one in head-to-head games against other bowl teams, and they bring in a pretty neat 5-1 and one spread record when they've been a dog coming off a win when taking on Pac-12 opponents. On the flip side, we're taking a look here also that at Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl, they've won four games in a row straight up in the Las Vegas Bowl. That's the good news. I guess the bad news is three of those wins <clears throat> excuse me, came under the lead of Chris Peterson. Peterson comes into this contest here uh, knowing that he's just one and six to the uh, straight up and two and five to the spread against bowl opponents that are coming off a win and a cover. Washington sort of bottomed out, and I'm not saying sort of, they did bottom out, uh, losing four of their final seven games of the football season here. That's the reason they're not in a marquee bowl game after having been. Check this out. They played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year, Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl the year before, Alabama in the college football playoffs the year before that. So now they're settling on the Las Vegas Bowl this particular year, and that's usually a downer for football teams in four in their fourth year for seniors in this team that have been to marquee bowl games to play in a minor bowl game like this. I'm going to be on Boise State in this football game if for no other reason, as we note in the college bowl stat report, that Pac-12 teams – are 2-20 and 20 against the spread in bowl games the last three years, including 0-15 to the spread in those games when they take on an opponent that's coming off a win. With that, I'll take the points with the Broncos for my side in the Las Vegas Bowl this Saturday. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week. We're going to hop into the NFC Black and Blue Division between Green Bay and Minnesota when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas once again to you and yours. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. Let's move it over to our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty on tap in the NFC North Division Monday night when the Minnesota Vikings play host to the Green Bay Packers. Victor, how do you see this black and blue showdown taking place, shaping up this Monday night? Yeah, the Monday night game that actually means a lot. We don't have, we don't see too many of these as only one game separates these two in terms of the NFC North, Green Bay at 11-3, Minnesota at 10-4. and four. The over-under line opened at 46-and-a-half. It's come down a full point. The last time I looked, it was down to 45-and-a-half. 
on the year, these two teams are basically flip-flop, uh, reverse results of each other. Green Bay, 6-8 and eight over under on the season with an average of 43.8 points per game in uh, Packer games. Minnesota, 8-6 and six over under, 45.5 is the average in the uh, Minnesota games this year, which is coincidentally the over-under line for this particular game. I do know that Green Bay, excuse me, is coming off a, what, five-game run now in which four of their last five games have gone under the total by, oh, just under five points per game. With that said, though, however, to balance things out, we note that Minnesota has gone five and one in their last six games, including last week on the road against the L.A. Chargers, in which we cashed a nice win on the over in that particular game. It's been a pretty low-scoring series between these two. We won't sugarcoat it. Four out of the last five meetings have gone under. Eight out of the last ten meetings have gone under. And when focusing on the games played in Minnesota, each of the last five have gone under the total by an average margin of minus 8.0 points per game. You might think that's the way we're leaning, but actually I kind of like the value on the over in this particular game. I think the over-under line legitimately should be somewhere around 47, 48, and it's down to 45 and a half. These are middle-of-the-road defenses now. This is not the great Minnesota defense of last season. It's not even the great Packer defense of earlier this season. Green Bay now number 22 in passing defense. Minnesota number 20 in passing defense. And I emphasize passing defenses because Dalvin Cook, uh, Minnesota's money man at the running back position, will be out of this particular game. Obviously, it means they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more. And I've got a couple of uh, database situations here that do point toward the over, like the fact that Monday night games featuring two winning teams, both teams over 500, have gone 10-3 and three to the over in the last four seasons. Also, uh, in every game, not just Monday night games, if we go game three or greater, Division games, both teams have a winning percentage of a greater than 666, like in this particular game. These games have gone 10 and 1 over under in the last eight seasons when the over under line is greater than 43 particular points. Based on the line and the over under line, the anticipated final score is Minnesota 25, Green Bay 20.5. And again, I just see this a little higher scoring and with a slightly bigger margin as well. My database simulations point to a final score of 30 to 20 for Minnesota, maybe 31 to 20 for Minnesota. Again, suggesting that the over and underline is probably about three points too short. So I think there's some value on the over, and that's the way we'll be going on Monday night, Mark. Victor is going to go over the total Monday night in the Green Bay Packer Minnesota Viking matchup. This will be a big matchup, obviously, as we mentioned in our playbook newsletter this week and all the NFL games, any game that involves a team that has any chance of being involved in the NFL playoffs. We have laid out all of those possibilities. And as far as the Green Bay Packers are concerned, they will earn a bye with wins in their final two games of the football season. They can also earn a number one seed, can Green Bay, with a win and 
losses by either San Francisco or Seattle. So they are playing for something here, obviously, are the Green Bay Packers. They come into the football game here, as we've been talking on the show of late, a lot lately, about what I think is maybe the phoniest team in the National Football League, an 11-win team that's won the yards only five times this year. They've been outstanding nine football games. And in fact, in the second half of the season, they're being outyarded 79 yards a game. On the other side of the coin, the Minnesota Vikings come in here. They need one win or one L.A. Rams loss to clinch a playoff spot. And they have the possibility to win the NFC North with two wins do the Minnesota Vikings if other factors fall into place as well. So both teams here coming in with a lot to play for under these Monday night lights. Mike Zimmer, as we've hit on often times throughout the show this year and in years past, is the ATM machine when it comes to the National Football League. In his career, all games, Mike Zimmer, 60-34-3 against the spread. Those are pretty powerful numbers for a head coach that is cl- coached close to 100 games in the National Football League. Uh, coming into this football game here, you're also taking a look at the Minnesota Vikings with a pretty neat number. They're 6-0 to the spread when they come off a non-division game and taking on an opponent that's coming in off of a straight-up win. I'm going to be on the Minnesota Vikings in this football game, fading the Green Bay Packers as we've been talking about most of the year here. But I also like the fact that Mike Zimmer, Monday night football games, in the seven games that he's been in Monday night games, the home team is 7-0 and straight up and 6-1 and against the spread. With that, we'll back the Minnesota Vikings Monday night for our play in the Monday night football game. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show as we join our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you as we head into the final weeks of the 2019 football season? Well, Mark, let me begin by wishing everyone a very happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that. Let's hope that uh, uh, things are as wonderful in 2020 as they've uh, been coming down the stretch in 2019. A lot of excitement here in Las Vegas as uh, we're gearing up for the start of the college bowl seasons uh, this Friday with a pair of games kicking things off and then a pretty heavy slate on Saturday. Uh, A little bit disappointing. Don't have any Thursday night football this week as the NFL will be playing Saturday, Sunday, and Monday uh, to go along with the start of the bowls. And, of course, much to be decided in the NFL over these final two weeks. Some uh, playoff teams are known. Others will be decided. Some teams will be making a a late-season run over these last two weeks. Others may be uh, packing in a little bit as uh, what uh, will have turned out to be a disappointing season for those teams comes to a conclusion. Visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the finest football newsletters in the nation. And if you haven't got a copy of this week's newsletter, you'll want to do so because in this week's newsletter, Andy tears apart a first round of college football bowl games, the entire NFL card this weekend. And one of his major topics this week is handicapping NFL football games that have a longer than usual period of time in between the end of the regular season and the start of the bowl games. I found that read to be fascinating, Andy. And if you would let our listeners know what your take is on the amount of rest that teams incur between the regular season and the bowl games. Yeah, Mark, we're, we're talking about the bowl games and the fact that a number of these teams will have been off for you know three, four weeks or more uh, before getting into their uh, bowl activities, say around New Year's Day. And actually, a number of minor bowls actually extend be. Be, uh, beyond the start of the new year, and many of these teams will have been off either since late October, uh, excuse me, late November, early December. And in fact, I recall a situation 
oh, it must have been about 10, 15 years ago where there was a team that was uh, actually off for uh, almost the equivalent of half a season playing its final game in late November uh, when Thanksgiving was a little bit earlier than it actually was this year. So it may have been around the 23rd of the 24th and they played on New Year's Day and they missed about five, five and a half weeks uh, due to the inactivity, the length of time between the end of their season, uh, regular season and the start of the bowl games or and, and their appearance in a bowl game. And I think that that brings up the question of rest versus rust. How much time off is good? I think that maybe two weeks uh, in between a game, uh, you have a following week off, maybe two weeks off is probably about the ideal amount of time. Otherwise, you get a little bit uh, rusty as far as uh, going up against slower athletes when you're going in practice. You're not going at full speed, and then you're being called upon to uh, go up against uh, uh, athletes playing at full steam uh, when you're playing in your bowl game. And sometimes that makes for some sloppy efforts. We often see many of the entertaining bowl games earlier in the bowl season amongst the minor teams, uh, the uh, mid-conference finishers, uh, because they won't have had as much time off, so they'll still be pretty much in rhythm and in in game shape. Sometimes we see a lot of these major bowl games not turn into the kind of uh, games that we expect because of the time off. We see a lot of errors, so I'm looking forward to the entirety of the bowl season. We do have to be careful when we handicap the college bowls and when we get involved in these games because of the many things that can occur due to the lengthy layoff, whether it be suspensions due to failing grades at the end of the semester, whether it be players declaring for the NFL draft and thus sitting out their bowl game, a phenomenon we've seen more and more of over just the past few seasons, uh, coaching changes, assisting coach changes, etc., all of which can influence our opinion on these games. I know for, for from my perspective, my opinion on bowl games often is dynamic. In other words, I don't make a decision that I like this team and I'm going to just wait until the time is right to get involved. I'm constantly reviewing the games. I'm using the results of the early bowl games to perhaps adjust my assessment of the strength of call of certain conferences relative to one another. So uh, the bowl game is you the bowl season rather is unique because you've got well 78 different teams with the exception of two of them playing just one game. Of course, two will meet in the championship game, but you've got 78 teams going through various uh, uh, stages of practice and preparation, dealing with off-field issues, etc. And so I'm constantly looking uh, for situations that may cause me to reevaluate what I thought was an outstanding play and early in the bowl season, not to be that outstanding as we get into that period between Christmas and New Year's. Visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, as we always do on the show, we're down to the final two weeks of the major contest in Las Vegas. And if you could do us the pleasure of updating us on the results as they stand heading into these final two weeks. Sure, Mark. Let's begin with the uh, classic super contest. That's the uh, what I call the granddaddy, the Rose Bowl of all contests. It's been around for 30 years, continues to gain in popularity. For about the first uh, 15 years or so of the contest, it would attract mostly a local Las Vegas uh, audience, maybe Southern California as well, of uh, roughly 250 to 450 contestants. However, over the past decade, uh, with the nationwide attention that it's got, the contest has exploded over 3,300 contestants this year, and that's a record, I think, being set for about the ninth or 10th straight year. Uh, Throughout uh, the season, of course, uh, you get one point for a correct point spread winner, half a point for a push. And as we head into the final two weeks of the season, 10 selections remaining for all the contestants, 75 are in. And the leader of the contest currently has a record of 51, 22, 
and two, accumulating a total of 52 of a possible 75 points, and that translates into a winning percentage of 69.3%. The contest pays the top 100 finishers and ties, and currently to be in the money, a record of 45 points or more, which is 60% exactly, would have you cashing in the contest. 28 contestants are tied for the final 18 paying positions, so that's a total of 110 of the 3,300-plus contestants currently in position to uh, cash uh, part of uh, the overall prize pool of well over $1 million. Right now, 34 contestants are within five points of the lead, meaning that an 0-5 by the leader would allow someone or more more people, perhaps as few as uh, uh, down to a a level of four, those five points behind to at least tie that that leader in, in any event, put it another way, 62.7% right now has you within five points of the lead with two weeks remaining. Looking at the consensus plays from last week, the consensus overall, the top five selections were three and one. The winners amongst the teams that were favorites in their games that made the top five, the New England Patriots and the Minnesota Vikings each covered their games as favorites. The lone underdog to make the top five consensus, the Buffalo Bills, They won their game outright in Pittsburgh as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Buffalo actually the second most popular selection last week. The most popular selection was one of the two losing selections. Both of the two losing selections involved favorites in their games. Uh, One was a tough loss uh, for Seattle. They were pretty much a six-point favorite in their win against Carolina where they had an early lead and let Carolina uh, come back in. In the contest, however, Seattle was laying six-and-a-half. And then the number one overall selection in the contest, the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they were one-point favorites at Dallas. They were selected on uh, over slightly over one third of all the entries in the contest. On the in the contest, excuse me, over one third, slightly over one third. One thousand one hundred and thirty-nine contestants had the Rams in the contest, and of course, uh, they got blown out as uh, Dallas showed uh, uh, how potent they can be when they play their best football game as they did last week. The Super Contest Gold, that's uh, the contest with the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all. The leader in this contest right now has 45 and a half out of a possible 75 points. There are two contestants tied with that record. That results in a rather low winning percentage of just 60 0.7% to uh, lead that contest. The consensus last week, uh, they had a record also of 3-2, and two, a little bit of a different distribution with only 117 contestants involved in this winner-take-all contest. Amongst the consensus plays that involve favorites, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots both covered as favorites. The Los Angeles Rams uh, were the favorite in the consensus group that failed. There were two underdogs to make the top five this week, and the Buffalo Bills Uh, were the number one overall selection amongst the uh, Super Contest Gold entrants, and they covered in their game, as noted before, against Pittsburgh and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Interestingly enough, I mentioned that the Minnesota Vikings were a consensus play in the main contest. Their opponent, the Chargers, were a consensus play in the Super Contest Gold, and the Super Contest Gold uh, consensus uh, players uh, were incorrect on that selection. Let me go back and just mention that the consensus records 
huge. Not that much different between the two contests. 39-34 and 2 in the main contest. 39-37 and 3 in the Super Contest Gold. Uh, there are more selections in the consensus because there were several weeks in which there were ties for the fifth most popular selection in the Super Contest Gold. And that kind of makes sense with only 117 uh, entries. Uh, it's easy to get a number of uh, low number selections where you're talking about maybe 15 to 25 contestants landing up on the same side of a game. The new contest in town that's uh, gotten quite a bit of uh, attraction received very enthusiastically the circuit contest. Uh, that's the contest with a $1,000 entry fee. It's patterned after the uh, super contest. Five selections a week against a static NFL point spread. Interestingly enough, in this contest, the Seattle Seahawks were six-point favorites against the Carolina Panthers. The Seahawks were one of the top five consensus picks, and that pick uh, ended up as a point spread push. Two other favorites involved in the consensus were the Rams and the Oakland Raiders. Both of those selections lost, and amongst the two underdog selections that made the top five consensus, once again, the Buffalo Bills were a winning consensus play. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, plus three and a half against the Giants, were the other consensus play involving underdogs. That came up short, so for the week, just one, three, and one for the consensus. That's 36, 34, and four for the season as far as the circuit consensus plays work. The, uh, con the circuit contest pays the uh, top 10 plus ties. Right now, the leader has 52 and a half out of a possible 75 points. That equates to 70.0% winning selections. A total of 11 contestants are involved in the 10 paying places. There are two contestants uh, tied for the 10th place spot. Uh, that has them at 49 and a half out of the 75 uh, possible points. That's 63.3% as far as what it needs to be in cashing position right now in the circuit contest. Finally, the Golden Nugget contest, the one high-end contest that involves both college and pro football, picking seven selections per week. So we've had 105 selections through the first 15 weeks of the contest. There's one leader at 68, 35, and two, that's 69 out of the possible 105 points, equates to a 65%, 65.7% uh, uh, winning percentage. This contest pays the top 10 and ties, but also if you finish in the 11th through 20th position, you get your $1,000 entry fee back. So a total of 20 contestants plus ties will end up receiving something from this contest right now to be in the uh, position of one through 10, where you're catching a part of the greater than $300,000 uh, pool. It takes a record of 62.4%, 65 and a half out of a possible 105 points to be in cashing position. 20th position, which gets your money back right now, 59.1%. There's one contestant alone in 20th place, so there are others between that uh, uh, tie for 10th and 20th place who will get their money back. And right now, it takes a little bit below 60% to be uh, in uh, that last paying position, 65.7% to be leading the contest. Two weeks remaining, and after last week, week 15, which involved basically the only only the Army-Navy game as far as possible selections, which uh, was a disadvantage to those contestants who emphasize and prioritize college football. More college football games uh, this week, including uh, the bowl games that kick off before the NFL uh, Sunday, and then a couple of games uh, heading into the early part of next week. So that's where these contests stand with two weeks remaining before the big paydays make it a very, very happy new year for a number of uh, sharp handicappers. 
nice update from Andy Isco from Las Vegas with the major contests that are going on in Las Vegas. As he mentions, going down to the final stretch run, the two weeks remaining in most of the major contests. And with it, Andy, if you would do the honors, I know our listeners would love to know some of the major line moves, if any, that you've seen on the football card this week in the NFL and any potential advance lines. I don't know if the advance lines come out because of all the division games next week, but uh, bring us up to speed on this, if you would. Yeah, Mark, I was actually surprised because I thought also there might not be lines put out for Week 17 by the Westgate, which has been doing these weekly advanced lines that you can actually make wagers uh, into uh, for the past several years. But they did come out with uh, lines for uh, all the games for next week, and I'll get to those in a moment. But recapping, uh, we've called them line moves, and I I look at them almost as line adjustments from what had been posted prior to last week's action and then when these games were reposted, sort of giving an indication of how the lines makers made adjustments based upon the performance of either one or both of the teams in an upcoming matchup. And to give an example, the third game on Saturday between Houston at Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay, prior to this weekend's actions, uh, you could have bet Tampa Bay minus one or Houston plus one for this matchup. When the game was reposted Sunday afternoon following uh, Houston's win at Tennessee and Tampa Bay's win at Detroit, of course, Tampa Bay out of the playoffs, Houston uh, in the battle for the uh, AFC South title and now uh, controlling its fate with that uh, one game lead over the Titan. Houston was posted as a one point road favorite, possibly due to the fact that Tampa Bay is not going to make the playoffs and Houston almost certainly is if uh, they can at least win one of their final two games. They've been bet up to a three point road favorite at Tampa Bay for Saturday after there was already a two point adjustment in the the line. Uh, The Raiders are at the Chargers. The Chargers had been six and a half point favorites. However, after last week's actions, Uh, Surprisingly enough, uh, the Chargers got blown out by Minnesota. Oakland blew that game late against Jacksonville. The line actually came down a full point and a half. It was reposted with the Chargers uh, laying five at home against their division rival Raiders. This is the Chargers' last game, uh, last home game. That might also mark the end of Phillip Rivers' career in in a Chargers uniform. You may want to consider that as far as looking which side to play in in this particular game. The Saints are at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, The Saints were one-and-a-half-point road favorites last week prior to this week's actions. Of course, Tennessee lost at home to Houston, and New Orleans had that uh, impressive win Monday night against the Colts. Prior to the Colts game, when the line came up Sunday afternoon, the Saints were two-point road favorites. However, uh, they've drawn the early money since uh, that Monday Monday, Monday night win. Uh, They came back up as three-point road favorites. Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. This is interesting because of the adjustment and uh, the line line move. Uh, Baltimore, of course, played last Thursday. They were an advanced seven-point road favorite at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, of course, went out and, as they've done several times this year, struggled mightily on the road. When the line came back up Sunday afternoon, there was a one-point adjustment uh, off that key number of seven as Baltimore was adjusted as an eight-point favorite on the road, and that wasn't high enough as the actions come in and pushed Baltimore very quickly up to a 10-point road favorite at Cleveland. Keep in mind, this is a revenge game for the Ravens. One of their two losses inexplicably came in week four at home, 40-25 to against the Cleveland Browns, one of Cleveland's rare good road efforts, and that seems like uh, seasons ago at this point. Dallas at Philadelphia is also a very interesting situation. Of course, Dallas had been playing poorly. Actually, both teams had been playing poorly lately. Uh, this game was a pick As a result, the game is at Philadelphia. This game was a pick last week. Following Philadelphia's... Um, 
uh, say, fortunate win in cover uh, with those late scores at Washington and Dallas just totally dominating from start to finish their home game against the Rams. When the line was reposted, there was a two-and-a-half point adjustment. The Cowboys adjusted to two-and-a-half point road favorites and were very quickly bet up to a three-point road favorite at Philadelphia, the winner of this game, uh, likely to, uh, barring some strange events in Week 17, if, at least if it's Philadelphia, uh, the winner will uh, make the playoffs as the a- NFC East champion, and uh, the loser uh, will be uh, ending their season in Week 17. Finally, the Sunday night game, Kansas City at Chicago. Chicago uh, now out of the playoffs as a result of their loss at Green Bay. Kansas City uh, looking to perhaps move up in the seeding situations. They're currently uh, seeded third. They need to make up just one game against New England. New England in for a tough game. I'll get to that one in a moment this week at Buffalo. Uh, Kansas City at uh, – uh, I'm sorry, that, that one ha- – that's not the line week 17. This is a week 16 game Buffalo uh, at New England where the Patriots are a seven-point favorites. But Kansas City would need a New England loss and a Kansas City win to claim that number two seed that carries with it that all-important bye week uh, during the wild card weekend. Uh, Kansas City was a four-point favorite last week. Chicago was still alive to make the playoffs prior to this week's actions. However, with Chicago's loss to Green Bay and Kansas City's uh, win last week, when the line was reposted, the Chiefs were four-and-a-half-point road favorites, and they've since been bet up a full point, and they're now laying five and a half Sunday night at the uh, Chicago Bears. Looking ahead to week 17, of course, the NFL has uh, everybody playing on this uh, Sunday. Most of the games are early games. Uh, there could be a, a game flexed, I believe, late for Sunday night, depending upon uh, how the situation sits up for uh, Week 17. But currently, everything listed for Sunday afternoon, mostly early starts. Uh, the What could be the key showdown in the AFC South, depending upon what happens this week, uh, Houston, a one-point home favorite over Tennessee. And as you noted earlier, all these games are divisional contests. One of the things I do like about the NFL is making these all divisional contests. I would have preferred if they had made the final two weeks divisional contest, but I'll settle for week 17 having that structure. Cleveland favored by three at Cincinnati. Minnesota, a seven-point home favorite to the Chicago Bears. Jacksonville laying one and a half to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Both of those teams out of the playoffs. Uh, As are Atlanta and Tampa Bay in the NFC South. Tampa Bay, a two-point home favorite in that contest. Contest. Dallas favored by seven and a half at home against Washington. New Orleans, 11 point road favorites at Carolina. That game could have consequences for New Orleans. Depending upon how things play out, they could be seated anywhere from number one to number three in the NFC. Philadelphia laying five on the road at the New York Giants. Baltimore, a three point home favorite against Pittsburgh. By the way, keep in mind that uh, it has been uh, announced that Baltimore likely to rest Lamar Jackson and perhaps other starters as well uh, should they clinch the number one AFC seed uh, this weekend. But uh, keep an eye on that because John Harbaugh may change his mind and give the starters a little bit of of, of action rather than have them idle for two weeks as they wouldn't be playing until the divisional round two weeks later. Baltimore, as I mentioned, three-point home favorites against Pittsburgh. The Buffalo Bills, four-and-a-half-point home favorites over the New York Jets. Buffalo already clinching at least a wild card spot. An outside shot at winning the division, but uh, again, they'll have an opportunity to at least do some damage against New England and then see what happens in Week 17 as the New England Patriots will be hosting the Miami Dolphins. Laying 14.5 are the Patriots against Miami. Green Bay laying 10 on the road at Detroit. Kansas City laying 7 at home against the Chargers. Rams laying 7 at home against Arizona. 
the big game, and uh, I imagine this one might be, I think, I, as I mentioned, I think they uh, may have a Sunday night game, and this would be the likely candidate, San Francisco at Seattle. Surprisingly, I would have thought Seattle might be the slightest of favorites. This game's actually a pick right now. Finally, Denver, a four-and-a-half-point Again, a four and a half point home favorite against the Oakland Raiders, who uh, uh, both teams also out of playoff contention. Uh, it'll be interesting uh, for folks who here, who are here in Vegas or have an opportunity to be in Vegas. These lines present an opportunity. If you have a pretty strong opinion on what may happen this week in Week 16 teams being eliminated, teams clinching, etc. There's an opportunity to get some numbers that may change significantly once the Week 16 results are in and the Week 17 lines get posted. The uh, limits for play uh, get increased uh, Sunday afternoon. Andy Isco with a review of the advance lines and some of the major adjustments that have happened in Las Vegas with the NFL football games. As we visit with Andy to get the Vegas vibe on what's going on. And Andy, I know you made mention of the fact that you would prefer the National Football League to have the final two weeks of games being division games. And that kind of stirred some memories of mine in the past when my sister and I would open up Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. And uh, she once made the comment to me, wouldn't it be nice if we had Christmas again next week? And that's, (laughs) 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 I I sort of get, uh, can relate to what you're saying about having uh, NFL division games two weeks in a row, but we'll take what we get. And we're really happy with what they're doing right now. Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on the card this week as well. The team I'm talking about, Mark, is the Atlanta Falcons, who've played extremely well and perhaps might be doing enough to save Dan Quinn's head coaching job. Many thought, and myself included, that he might be axed during that bye week, but they've turned things around. They've won four of six games. They did lose their first two games of a three-game homestand and then uh, won that uh, final game, and then they've uh, come back and played well uh, in uh, the the stretch rundown uh, as as they uh, look to close out a disappointing season, uh, building some momentum for next year. I like what I've seen out of them. Their defense has actually shown significant improvement over the second half of the season. If you compare games 1 through 7 versus games 8 through 14, we've seen that improvement. Uh, Julio Jones getting more involved. They've been able to run the football a little bit better recently than they did earlier. And again, I'm not going to place too much emphasis or too much significance, attach too much significance to what the Jaguars did last week in winning uh, in winning at Oakland. I think the Raiders have shown themselves over the last month or so to be a tired football team. Actually performing differently, I thought they would struggle early and then play better later in the season and wouldn't be reflected in the win-loss record. They, of course, got off to that uh, uh, very impressive start in the first half of the season against a very tough schedule and then faded late. So I think Jacksonville took advantage of a tired Oakland team last uh, week that allowed them to hang around and ultimately uh, get that victory. Uh, But I like the way Atlanta has been playing, asking them to win by a touchdown at home uh, and possibly save the coach's job because my understanding is the player, he's very, very popular with his players and Maybe uh, Arthur Blank has indicated that uh, good performance down the stretch uh, might indeed uh, keep the coaching staff intact. And certainly, if that has been the case, Atlanta has for the most part delivered over the past six weeks. So I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons in their final home game of the season to get an impressive win against the Jacksonville Jaguar team that, but for last week, has shown no indication that uh, uh, they have much uh, left to uh, play for this season. Well, much like San Francisco and New Orleans have come to learn, the Atlanta Falcons are a team that nobody really wants to play in the second half of the National Football League season this year. Andy Isco picks up on that and uses them for his complimentary play on the football card this week. Andy, a great job on the show, as always, once again this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck 
And we'll look forward to visiting with you next week for our final show here for the 2019 season here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. And we wish you and all of our listeners a wonderful holiday season. As I mentioned earlier, have Merry Christmas, Happy and Healthy New Year. Let's end 2019 with some great success and carry that right over to the start of 2020. We'll do just that. Thank you, Andy. That was Andy Esco. And we'll be back, guys, when we wrap up the final segment with our awesome angle of the week and complimentary plays from Victor and myself. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie dot a as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. We're going to go into the National Football League, and we call the angle simply changing roles. And what we're looking to do is to play on any NFL division road dog playing with revenge that's coming off a straight-up road favorite loss if they're facing an opponent coming off a straight-up NATS loss as well. With that, our play this week will be on the L.A. Rams. We're doing that because teams in this role are 16-6 and against the spread in this role since 1980. That's a play on the L.A. Rams in our Changing Roles Week this week for our awesome angle play. And with that, let's hand over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know about the totals tip sheet, which, by the way, Victor, Mark Jr. was talking with me last night and saying to me that it's been 14 years now that Victor's been publishing the totals tip sheet. Tip of the hat, congratulations on that, and a great job for the results in the totals tip sheet this year. Let our listeners know about how they can get their hands on a copy this week. It would never happen if not for the opportunity by uh, you and Colleen for me to introduce this publication to our playbook family. So right back at you. Uh, nice uh, nice little uh, report there by Mark. I can't believe it's been that long. Now, this is the time of the year where we're going to have action basically every day. Uh, we do want to point out uh, we're on a four-game winning streak in NBA over-unders, and we'll have a selection sometime on Wednesday night. We got a bowl game going in Friday's Day one of the bowls, a bowl over-under selection. On Saturday, there are six bowl games. We're going to have at least one over-under selection. Of course, the NFL has taken over Saturdays now with uh, three games. We'll have an NFL over-under selection going on Saturday, not to mention on Sunday. So plenty of over-under action if you do care to join us for our free play of the week. We've got to give the ball back to Tuco. I mean, he's been hot. Tuco is. <laughs> Tuco's been hot in the handicapping contests. Unfortunately, that's not our boy, but he's been uh, hot in terms of his team totals in the totals tip sheet with his win last week on Houston over 23 and a half points. Tuco is now at 11 and four this season with his NFL team totals. 
And this week, he's going over the total with the Arizona Cardinals. They're on the road. They're taking on Seattle in a big division game in the NFC West. And their team total is 20 points. Tuco's playing the Arizona Cardinals over 20 points. Of course, last week's offensive outburst of, what, 445 yards and 38 points over Cleveland. That was the perfect tune-up for this Arizona offense. For some reason, the bar has still been set nice and low for us this week. Arizona has, A, scored 21 or more points in 10 of their last 12 division road games. So we've got a good scoring history on the division road. They averaged 27.8 points per game when playing off a double-digit home win, and that's what occurred last week over Cleveland. And they're averaging 26.5 points per game after scoring 35 or more in their previous game. Uh, From the database, so far in this current 2019 season, road teams with a high over-under line of 50 or more points have averaged 25.1 points per game. That applies to the Cardinals this week. Now, if this game was in Arizona, we would probably be passing. That's because Seattle still has one of the better road defenses in the league. But at home, get this, the Seahawks have actually allowed 29.3 points per game so far this season, and that is amazing. That's the fourth worst home defense in the entire league, the only Three teams that are higher in terms of allowing points at home on defense are Miami, Tampa Bay, and Detroit. And we'll finally close things with this division query. NFC West division road teams have averaged 26.4 points per game in the last two seasons versus all division opponents. That applies to the Cardinals. Our boy Tuco is going Arizona Cardinals. Over 20 points for your free play of the week. We got three dynamic over-under selections in this week's playbook newsletter. You don't want to forget that. We got the totals tip sheet, the playbook newsletter, the midweek alert, the wise guy contest. We've added the college bowl stat report this week. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's newsletter Nirvana time. Make your way to playbook.com. Download any or all of the newsletters this particular week. Again, we'll have plenty of action in terms of over-unders. And as I understand it, you got a big one going in the NFL this week, Mark. Nice job on Houston last week. Maybe you can give us a few details on the big one in pro football. I will do just that, Victor. And uh, it just hit me square between the eyes. You mentioned all those newsletters and newsletter Nirvana. And I'm only hoping that uh, in my dreams sometime in the very near future that nobody approaches me about doing another newsletter of sorts. Uh, I don't know what we would call it, what it would be. or what. The, <laughs> I just don't think there's enough hours <laughs> right. on the clock in the day, but uh, it is indeed newsletter Nirvana these days at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that our friends at mybookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse, endorse is offering a free sign-up bonus just in time for the bowl games in the NFL playoffs right around the corner. You bet the NFL, you win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. You bet college football bowl games, you win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. Log on now at mybookie.ag, enter the promo code PLAYBOOK to get your sign-up bonus or give them a call toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. 
That's 1-844-866-2387 for your bonus at mybookie.ag. And as Victor mentioned, on the heels of our NFL Game of the Month winner last week comes our top-rated 10-star NFL Play of the Year going this Sunday. We're documented 12-3-1 the last 16 years on this big 10-star NFL game of the year. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners, including all college bowl and NFL selections I make starting this Friday through Monday. We went 3-1 and one on the NFL card last week, and we'll see if we can keep our NFL back on track this week with our 10-star NFL game of the year. Log on at playbook.com. Or call me toll-free to get on board today at 1-800-321-7777. With that, my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. Let's hop into the College Bowl card. Make a trip over to the Cure Bowl, where Liberty, the Flames of Liberty, make their college football bowl debut. This is a young program, upstart program, that just joined into the FBS Waters. Uh, It was only... In 2018, last year was their uh, first year, or I should say second year, as a FBS football program. They're now made a bowl game. Tip of the hat to them and Hugh Freeze for getting this program there. We mentioned that they are indeed bowl virgins. And uh, according to our playbook bowl stat report, we note that college football underdogs that are bowl virgins, and by definition, a bowl virgin is a team that has not been to a bowl game in any of the last three years meaning that any senior on that team, this will be their first bowl game with that program. When underdogs are bowl virgins and they're taking on opponents that are off wins, these teams are 16-4-1 against the spread when that opponent allows 22.5 or more points a game. Liberty takes on the Sunbelt Conference, a conference they were snubbed by when they applied for application. The Sunbelt said no to them. They've gone four and two straight up and against the spread against Sunbelt Conference teams since that snub, taking on an opponent in Georgia Southern who ranks dead last in the nation in passing offense. They average just 72.8 yards in the air, which means their offense is not very well balanced. They'll run the ball, but they do not know how to throw the ball. Georgia Southern ranks number 116 in the country in first down offense and number 122 in the nation in third down conversion percentage. With that, we're going to take the points with Liberty, who's excited to be in this bowl game, no doubt about it, plus the points against Georgia Southern for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Esco for joining us from Las Vegas, as he each does every week from the LogicalApproach.com in Vegas, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. 